You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. I'm excited. Are you excited this morning? Are you like, we always say it. Do we have to say it so that you can hear it, so that you can respond? Amen. Or, or are you really ex- Are you excited? Are you kidding? It is 2018. Amen. It is the best time in the history of the world to be saved. It's the best time in the history of the world to be in the greatest ministry. It's a great time. Amen. Watch this to be considered God's weapon of choice for the inner cities of the world in the 21st century. Are you, are, are you not catching, amen, that we are going to witness, amen, the second coming of Jesus Christ, that the rapture of the church is right around the corner, and God saved his best for last to usher that anointing, to usher that, that end-time revival. Someone say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want this to be in your mind and in your heart as I preach the entire message this morning. And basically, this is what the prophetic word that has been given over our church, amen, from uh, Pastor Joe, amen, uh, it's the year of 2018, amen, we're going to experience explosive, accelerated growth, personal, spiritual growth, amen, where you get that next level anointing, amen, for the front row, hallelujah, amen, church growth, it's the year of the harvest, it's a year of your breakthrough, it's a year of open doors and opportunities, and it's a year of financial blessings. Watch this, it's going to be a year of astonishing miracles, and I challenge you to look up the word astonishing, amen, and embrace it. Someone say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter uh, 4, verses 18 to 22, and the Bible says, "And, and Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net. Someone say casting a net. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, amen, James the son of Zebedee, his brother John, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. Someone say mending their nets. And immediately they left the boat and their father, come on somebody, and their father, and followed Jesus. That word mending in this context, the Bible says they were mending their nets. That word mending, it means to repair something. It means to repair something that's broken, torn, or something that's just wasting away. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were mending their nets. What these men were doing to their nets Jesus wanted to do for their lives. He wanted to repair something that was broken. He wanted to repair something that was torn, something that was wasting away. That word mending also means to restore, to make new again, to improve. Watch this. Also to further or advance. God wanted to further and advance their lives. Are you hearing me? These men were mending their nets for the same reason Jesus was mending their lives for fishing. Verse 19 says, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 21, we'll read it one more time. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Amen. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. What am I saying? In the midst of the mending, Jesus called them. The call of God came upon their lives while they themselves needed to be repaired. 
They themselves were broken. They themselves were torn. For some, they were just wasting away. I'm here to tell you that God chooses the foolish things of the world. Come on, somebody, amen, to confound the wise. He chose Moses to deliver his people. Moses had a speeching impediment. He stuttered, and he was also, watch this, amen, he was a killer. He killed a man, buried the body. God saw some type of commitment in this man that he was so loyal. Watch this to his brother because his, actually one of his brothers was getting jumped and getting beaten. Amen. He ran over there. He come on, somebody. Amen. He wasn't a spec. He was a participator. He jumped up, went over there, and got in the fight. You heard Pastor Tommy when he was preaching. Amen. There's a fight in Cape Town. There's a fight in Panama. I'm here to tell you there's a fight in Whittier. Someone say amen. And God wants the people of God to rise up and begin to fight for the vision. Begin to fight for your family. Fight for your friends. Fight for freedom. Someone say amen. amen. God chooses the foolish things of the world. He, he, he chose a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who was a persecutor of the Christians. Amen. God chose Rahab. She was a prostitute. God chose Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons. And God has called you and I. In spite of who they were, God called them. When the divine call of God comes, it comes with a divine responsibility. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All of us have the divine personal responsibility to reach people. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's time to let it shine. It's time to let it shine in the middle of your trial. It's time to let it shine in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of the mending. God is saying, let it shine. Are you hearing me this morning? All of us have a divine responsibility to reach people. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, the Bible says once again, they were mending their nets. All of us have the divine responsibility to mend your own net. The word net is defined as anything that catches. It's made from materials, watch this, woven together for the purpose of holding, protecting, and to shelter. Something that bonds together. And I kid you not, as you look through the definition, one of the last definitions is, a net is a small group. A net is a life group. That's where your lives are woven together. Come on, somebody, amen. That you can do on a smaller scale with intimacy, something that you might not be able to do on a Sunday morning in the midst of four to 500. You can do on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday night in the midst of eight, 12, 14, or 16 people. It's establishing relationships. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what a net is. A net is a place where, where relationships, watch this, are built and established. As we grow bigger, we've got to grow smaller, better. And our life groups, amen, and ministries. Yesterday I came and I had a meeting upstairs with all the prayer leaders in our region. We had about 20 or 24 people. 
And then I came down here after our meeting and I saw another meeting. Come on, somebody, amen. It was the ushers and the usherettes and the security and the entire team. And this whole middle section was filled up. What am I saying? You got to establish relationships. You got to build a relationship. At the end of the day, watch this. If we don't have a relationship with God, then we are religious. And we're based on tradition. What differentiates us from religion is Christianity because we have a relationship. Well, your relationship with God is discovered and developed, but it's actually seen in your relationship with others. And that's what Annette is. It's where things, relationships, people are woven together. And the stronger we get in our relationships, the stronger our net becomes. Someone say amen. amen. Uh, for some of you, I want, I want you to know that the, the size of your net equates to your capacity. And God wants you to enlarge your capacity. And the only way you're going to do that is if you strengthen and truly allow the Lord to mend your net. Someone say amen. When you mend your net, now when I say your net, I'm talking about the ability to catch. Someone say amen. When you mend your net, which is your ability to catch, you help the church mend its net. See, some things are taught and some things are caught. I'm responsible this morning for what's being taught. You're responsible for what you catch. One more time. I'm responsible for what I teach. I'm, a, I'm responsible for what's being taught. You're responsible for what's being caught. I'm talking about the mending process. Come on, somebody, amen? See, because the condition of your heart, it determines what you hear. The soil of your heart, are you hearing me? The soil of your heart, there, there needs to be some cultivation in our hearts so we can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Because the condition of your heart determines what you hear. Are you hearing me? See, God has tools that he uses to cultivate the soil of our hearts. And when I say cultivate, the reason for cultivation is because there's areas in our hearts that are hard, that are brittle, that are stiff. See, and God wants to break that up and then turn it over. Anytime you see dry, brittle ground, amen, it hasn't been watered and you, and you stick the right tool. We're going to talk about the tool of submission. We're about to talk about the tool of holiness, the tool of obedience. Come on, somebody. When the right tool is placed at the right time, it pierces. And then it turns it over. And then when it turns over the soil, you, you see it's dark, it's moist. Now it's ready for something to be planted in that heart. Because the condition of your heart determines what you hear. Somebody say amen. amen. See, God uses a, a, a consistent, intimate prayer life as a tool which leads us to a place of brokenness, a place of submission, a place of obedience, a place of humility. Somebody say amen. And see, all of this has to take place in the mending process. In the mending process, when you're mending, when God is mending and you yourself are mending the net, once again, the ability to catch. Awesome things are being tossed out. Come on, somebody. Are there 20,000 young leaders ready to be raised up in Victory Outreach? Something, see, we can, we can cast it, and we're going to talk about that, where they cast their net, and the net broke. 
and that which was desired to be caught slipped. And I don't want my net to be a casualty, if you will, in the big net of Victory Outreach Whittier and also Victory Outreach International. I don't want to be that guy. You ought not want to be that girl. Someone say amen. amen. So in, in, in the midst, the, 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 the fishermen, they were mending their nets. When, when God begins to mend things in your life, it's painful. But no pain, no gain. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, come on, somebody, amen. Listen, in order for God to heal the root, he's got to get down into it because that root is connected to a root structure. Come on, somebody, amen, a network of roots. A lot of people suffer with uh, unforgiveness. Well, when you suffer with unforgiveness for a while, you now have the root of bitterness. And you can't even enjoy all the other things around you because of that one area of unforgiveness. Listen, the devil has you bound. And you yourself can liberate yourself by forgiving. Don't blame another devil. Someone say amen. In, the, in that process, it's painful. The, the process, watch this, is to kill you in the natural so you can live in the spirit. Everything that God wants you to do in your life, it defies normality. Come on, somebody, amen. Not only normality, but the natural. It's a spiritual thing that you're involved in. It's a spirit. Come on, somebody, amen. And you are filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you need a fresh indwelling of the Holy Ghost on a daily basis, sometimes once, two, or three times in the middle of the process. Because God's got to pull it out before he can put it back in. And God wants to pull out unforgiveness and give you a forgiving spirit. He wants you to embrace grace and mercy. He wants you to go to the next level, but you yourself might be the one in the way. Mend your net. Work out your own salvation. This is the only mending that's taking place. You're getting the short end of the stick. You got to go home. You got to open up your word. Got to get into prayer. That's why I love ministry and leadership because it causes you to come under. That's called submission. Listen, you'll never get over until you learn to come under. Submit to authority. God gives you authority. Somebody say amen. The process of mending death to self. Someone say amen. amen. See, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 23, the Bible says, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Now, food represents nutrients, things needed to survive and to flourish in life. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. The fallow ground is the uncultivated soil of your heart. Beneath the fallow ground of your heart is unrealized potential. There is power. There is gifting. There is a fresh revelation from God. And what you got to determine this morning, that in 2018, you got to go deeper with God and let God go deeper with you. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, in that area where you got hurt, you got pain, amen, that's that callous part of your heart. God is saying, that's what I want. Let me cultivate that side, man. Unrealized power, gifting, the power to overcome, the power to walk in victory, the power to be like-minded like Christ. Power, gifting, fresh revelation. God wants you to dig deeper. Why? Because some things are taught and some things are caught. 
In Luke chapter 5, there's a story, and you've all heard it. I'll paraphrase it. Jesus is preaching. And as he's preaching, he's uh, the multitudes. Come on, somebody. Amen. Signs, uh, wonders, and miracles are following the preaching of the cross. And as Jesus begins to preach, uh, multitudes are being flocked to him. And, and, he, and he finds himself there at the, at the seashore. And he's got hundreds of thousands of people just here. And, uh, and then he, he, hey, Pete, Peter, can I, can I let me your boat? Let, let's get into your boat and let's launch out a little bit. So they launch out a little bit. And then when he gets out there, he says, Pete, launch out, launch, cast your net. Cast my net. And I've been fishing all night. I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter. You stick with the wood, I'll stick with the fish. Peter, cast your, cast your net. I'm done. I'm tired. I've worked all night. I'm done, Jesus. Jesus says, good, I've been waiting for that. Because now that you're done, this is when I get started. Had a revelation. Nevertheless, that's your word. Huh? That's your word. So he throws out the net. And all of a sudden... You guys know the story. I'm trying to give you a visual. All the fish. Do you not think Jesus is bad? As he's over here dealing with, with Peter, is he not in control? Okay, all you fish. I'm trying to watch this. I'm trying to take Peter to school, but I need a school, a school of fish to line up over here. And when he drops it, you jump in. I know you've been dodging him all night, but don't make me look bad. Come on, somebody. Amen. So all the fish start jumping in the net, and he's like, oh, my. Oh. And, all, and he looks at Jesus. Jesus, look what I caught. And then Jesus says, yeah, but look what I caught. Peter was a seasoned fisherman with a net, but didn't catch it. Come on, son. We, we, got, we got Christians in the church with a seasoned net. I'm trying to make friends, so I'm moving along. Someone say amen. If you're getting a little bit of what I'm saying, just give me a little wave. So I'm in the right place. All right, praise the Lord. So, so, so what, what, what happened when, when, when all the fish started jumping into the net, that was the beginning of astonishing miracles. Watch this. You can be a part of miracles and still not catch it. God is a good God. Now let's fast forward in the story for time's sake. Because a base has two services. And this is first base. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, now, so you fast forward to the book of Acts, right? And there is Peter preaching again. Someone say preaching again. This time, there's, there's 3,000 people. And Peter's preaching, and you gotta, you got to realize there's some, some, some nice slopes, if you will, of grass. And 3,000 people are sitting there. Peter's preaching. Oh, come on, somebody, man. And then he says, uh, uh, he, he, he begins to pray. And he says, if you're out, and Peter's preaching the cross. Jesus had already died. He had already resurrected from the dead. He was already seated at the right hand of the Father. That was already the ascension. Come on, somebody, Amen. And so, so Peter's preaching, and he's preaching the cross. He's talking about the blood of Jesus. I mean, the overcomer of death, hell, and he's preaching. 
And they're all sitting. Someone say amen. And he closes his eyes. He said, and this morning, if those of you, you want to give your life to Jesus, I, I, he's, he, he's got his eyes closed. I just want you to stand this morning. And then he opens his eyes. And he sees 3,000 people standing. And the Holy Spirit came up behind him. Peter, remember? Fishers of men. In his heart, Oh, I get it. I, he got it. He, he caught it. Are, are you with me this morning? He's broken. He's weeping. He sees the 3,000 standing. The Holy Spirit whispers in his ear. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings all things to remembrance. He's the leader, the instructor. Come on, somebody, amen. The Holy Spirit says, I was trying to teach you that back then. But praise the Lord, a delayed reaction. I will take it anyways. Someone say amen. Peter's like, oh, I, I, I caught it. Now, now, now I get it. The Holy Spirit whispers, Peter, listen, you help me reach them, and I'll help you keep them. Someone say amen. See, see let, 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 let's back back up now. Now, Pentecost had just taken place. They were in the upper room. Why were they in the upper room? Because of a promise. They were in the upper room only because of a promise. Right? Acts 1-8. Come on, work with me, team. Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8. Praise the Lord. Acts 2-8. Can I get a vowel? Jesus. Oh, there we go. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Huh? But, but, but you, come on, this is the promise, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be, look at, he was being a witness, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Look, this is, now for some of you, this is not a scripture to a church. This is a scripture to a base. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That was the promise that God had given them. Jesus told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be placed in a tomb. I'm only going to borrow the tomb. I'm going to give it back in three days. I'm going to rise from the dead. I will ascend into my Father. And at the right hand, that's where I will pray for you. Come on, somebody. So, so, so the promise led those that believed to Pentecost to Jerusalem in the upper room. And the only reason they were there was because of a promise. Watch this. When Peter received and embraced the promise, he discovered his purpose. He embraced it. I will be a witness. I'm going to receive power. Are you hearing me? So he embraced the promise and that which led him to be the purpose of preaching. Come on, somebody, are you hearing me? So when Peter received and embraced the promise, he discovered his purpose. His purpose, his calling, his divine responsibility were in the promise. Peter's purpose was in his promise. And his promise was in his purpose. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. We got a promise. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. 
I will give you, come on somebody, I will give you the treasures out of darkness, hidden riches in secret place, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Now I know we take that scripture and we say, well, that was for the first, come on, first 50 years, but now we're living in the second. But I'm here to tell you that that scripture is forever. If you're a guest here today, that's your promise. You're the treasure of darkness. Does it work? You tell me. We are the fruit of the promise. So Isaiah 45, 2 and 3 isn't for the first 40, 45, or 50 years. Uh, come on, somebody, man. Isaiah 45 and 2 and 3, especially for a base church that's a witnessing church, that's a soul winning church, is a, is a scripture that we will take until the trumpet sounds. Someone say amen. And then we can go to Isaiah 54. It's the second part of the promise. This is our promise. Watch this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your net. And let them stretch out. Come on, what do you do with the net? Stretch it out. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do, look, do not spare. You know what that means? It means do not spare. <laughs> Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Come on, can I get a vowel? There you go. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. In the Living Bible translation, it says, build additions, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. You know what that is? That's it right there. Explosive, accelerated growth. Are you hearing me? Your purpose is in this promise. And your promise that God has given you is in your, are you catching what I'm saying? The reason you live is to fulfill the promise. And the promise to you will be fulfilled in your purpose. Are you hearing me? Not long ago, in the story that I just shared about Peter and the fishing, Peter was done. He said, I, I, I already tried everything. Church, where are you at today? Those of you that are watching online, are you frustrated? Are you tired? Are you done? Because if you are, you're the perfect candidate for who God is looking for. Because the whole time that you've been done, God is saying good because you were the only one in the way. Someone say amen. amen. I tried everything. And what happened? Peter got a promise from God in Acts 1.8. That was the promise. He had an encounter with God. It's called Pentecost in the upper room. What happened in the upper room? Peter got a fresh fire and a new gift. I dare you to have an encounter with God in 2018 and get a fresh fire and a new gift. Someone say amen. amen. Peter stepped out in his gifting and obedience, and what happened? 3,000 got saved. 3,000 got saved. You know what happened to Peter? He experienced explosive, accelerated growth. He grew personally, experienced the next level anointing because he grew, the church grew. It was a year of the heart, 3,000. And you guys know the story. It, it worked so good. He, he, he must have went right back to the house and said, man, you know what? All this, watch this. You got to catch this. All this life group ministry, it works. Because remember they were breaking 
bread and going from house. Someone say life groups. So there was life groups, there was prayer, there was fellowship, there were relationships that were being woven together. Come on, somebody, amen. And then he came out, he preached, 3,000 got saved. He ran right back to the church and said, hey, man, you know what? This stuff works. And they said, okay, if it works, let's see you do it again. <laughs> right back out, but he, it didn't work the same. 5,000 got saved. Hello. Are you hearing me? Explosive, accelerated growth, personal growth, next level anointing, the church grew. It was truly a year of the harvest, amen, divine breakthroughs, open doors. Of, do you, can you imagine after 3,000 got saved, how many people wanted Peter to preach? Man, you need to come to my church. Man, you need to come to my life group. Man, you need to come to our meeting. Open doors of opportunity. Someone say amen. All those open doors of opportunity. Don't, don't tell me he wouldn't get blessed. Huh? Come on. Don't tell me he didn't have a little something. Don't tell me he didn't have a little something. Come on, somebody, amen. God don't want preachers showing up broke. See, immediately your mind goes to, you think what you give the pastors is what dictates how they live. You just be obedient to God. And don't get mad when God blesses Pastor Joe with a brand new Lexus. Because that ain't got nothing to do with your tithing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is a good God. Don't equate how they live, where they live, and what they have to your tithe. Your tithe goes to the house of God. Come on, somebody, amen. And, and, and let me just say this for free. The Bible says that he's worthy of double honor. So that means you should be tithing 20%. If he's worthy, I don't even want to get started on that. What do you think? He's a regional? Oh, multi-regional? Being used Tuesday night, come on, somebody, to speak to the top 1% of Victory Hour. Is he not worthy of... When you want double, give double. I dare you. I dare you in 2018, take your tithing to a place you've never been so God can take you to a place you've never been. Somebody say amen. amen. 2018 is not, is not a window of opportunity for Victory Arts Whittier. It is the window of opportunity. The Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 35, do not say there are still four months and then come at the harvest. What the word was really saying is do not say you're still mending your net and then come at the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the harvest fields, for they are already white for harvest. Watch this, already. It doesn't mean this. Hey, you guys, after, after service, we're going to go eat. So make sure, right, when I come back, you guys are already. It doesn't mean that. That's A-L-L, another word, ready, R-E-A. The already that the Bible says, that's A-L-R-E-A-D-Y. You know already? You know what that, you know what that already means? been ready the harvest been ready you know they say when the fruit when the, when the fruit is uh, ripe when the fruit is ripe it, it means it's, 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 it's actually it means it's done you ever hear your family members alcoholics lost bound maybe gangsters dope fiends just hurting man I'm done you know what they're saying man I'm ripe I'm ready but we're in the process mending not under, we're so consumed here. We, the condition of our heart determines what we, and because I'm so caught, I can't really, but the harvest is, 
Come on, let's all stand this morning. There's another story in the Bible with Peter. Peter's, uh, at this time, he's a little distant from the Lord. Jesus had died on the cross and was buried. And Peter, it, it didn't turn out. What happened in his church didn't turn out the way he thought, the way he hoped, the way he was praying. It just didn't, didn't turn out for him. So he thought that when Jesus was on the earth, that uh, they were going to have an earthly kingdom, that Peter was going to be the right hand of Jesus, power, prestige, position. But the natural mind is what embraced that thinking. Jesus said, no, my, my kingdom is not of this world. It's, it's a spirit. The kingdom of God is within you. Threw him for a curse. So anyways, he got discouraged when Jesus died. And all his hopes, all his vision, his passions, his future, his destiny, his purpose was hanging dead on a tree. So he got hurt and went back, went back fishing. Jesus rose from the dead and he went after Peter. Peter was in a boat fishing and Jesus called him and he came and Jesus is right there come on somebody cooking some fish Peter came and he looked right at Jesus and Jesus looked at him Peter Peter do you love me you know I love you so feed my sheep Peter still didn't catch it Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Tend my lambs. Didn't catch it. Peter, do you love me? You know all things. You know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Basically, he was, Jesus was cooking fish right there. Peter, do you love me? He got to the point where Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than this? Because this seems to have consumed your life. Peter, what I'm trying to get you to understand is the fishermen don't feed sheep. Shepherds do. Peter, if you would really give me your life, I will change you into the man I called you to be, to the man I created you to be. See, watch this. Peter jumped out of his boat, came to the shore, but he didn't come to Jesus. See, the church, we come to church but we don't come to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, he'll turn a fisherman into a shepherd. He will transfer, he'll change your life. Peter, he, he didn't, Peter, do you love me more than thee? What, what is your, Jesus this morning is saying to you, do you love me more than social media? See, look at Jesus is fighting for your time. Time is one of the most greatest commodities there is. Time. Because wherever you spend your time is your heart, your energy, your focus, and even your finances. That's why the condition of your heart determines what you hear. I don't know what you're hearing this morning, but I know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Peter, do you, do you love me? Church, what is it that's on? What is Jesus putting? Is it social media? Is it pleasure? Is it sin? Do you love me more than, because your time is in social media. You're, you spend more time on TV. You spend more, do you love, do you love me more 
And I don't know what it is that the Lord is putting before you this morning. But I do know this. Is that if you want God to change your life, I challenge you to come to the altar. And let God be glorified this morning in your life like never before. Don't forget, Peter had an encounter at Pentecost. And it changed him. One encounter with God, there was a fresh fire and there was a gift. I'm here to tell you that at this altar this morning is a fresh fire and a new gift. Come on, begin to worship the Lord. Lift up your hands. Go after Jesus this morning. Oh, Come on, if you know how to speak in your heavenly language.